Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. I am with a, I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me are Mark Pender in the U.S. and Jeremy Hawkins in the U.K. Well, I guess the subject on everybody's mind has, over at least over the past weekend or so, has been the close of the U.S. government. Happy to report that today the government is back at work after a brief respite. Uh, an agreement was reached to postpone a budget agreement for the fourth time, this time until February 8th, when the countdown to the wire will undoubtedly repeat itself. It was rather interesting that equities had little reaction to the closure. Perhaps investors now think the postponement will occur each time a deadline looms. Only bonds in the dollar were mildly affected, and it seems to be remains to be seen what will be accomplished in the next three weeks. Last night, the Bank of Japan maintained its status quo. With its policy interest rate at negative 0.1% and a cap on the 10-year government bond yield at around 0%, inflation still remains far below the BOJ's target of 2%. In his press conference that followed the meeting, BOJ Chair Kuroda vowed to maintain the central bank's extraordinary monetary easing program and squashing market speculation that the bank would reverse course sooner than expected. He noted, though, that corporate earnings are rising and household income is improving. The yen weakened following his remarks. His remarks should also dampen Markin's speculation that the BOJ will soon follow the Fed and the European Central Bank towards an easy exit from easy monetary policy. Kuroda had previously stoked market speculation for an early cutback on a loose monetary policy when he raised the issue of the reversal rate, that is, the level at which excessively low interest rates start to hurt the financial system and cause the effects of monetary easing to reverse. Uh, Jeremy, let's, I'll stop there. Let's move on to the Eurozone and the UK and what's happening there. Okay, well, so as we stick with central banks to kick off with, um, ECB then, their first meeting of the year is on Thursday. Of course, they've only just started their new quantitative easing program, which saw their monthly net asset purchases being halved to 30 billion as of this month. Um, since the last meeting in December, there's been well no real change of economic backdrop. Uh, so still strong growth and, and really low inflation at what just 1.4 percent in in December, and in particular stubbornly and persistently um, low core inflation as well. So nothing really particularly new there. So I suppose it boils down to as well pretty well a near zero chance of any change in QE and certainly even less of a chance of any kind of move on a key interest rate. So benchmark refi rate then still at 0% and deposit rate minus 0.4%. So what to watch then? Well, despite the fact that no one's ex- no one's expecting anything out of uh, the main policy measures, uh, it's going to be a case of uh, looking for any nuance, I think. 
in the sense that there's a number of hawks now on the council who are clearly increasingly agitated about the way the buoyancy, the real economy could be posing some kind of threat to the inflation target. So just below the 2% mark for the ECB, that inflation target over the medium term. Now, there hasn't been any sign of that yet, but nonetheless, certainly these um, hawks are getting increasingly vocal. So there's at least, I guess, a possibility that could we could see Mario Draghi, the ECB president, who's really a dove, uh, might just sound a little bit less cautious in his post-meeting press conference. Also, and I guess that's a somewhat less likely, but it's still worth bearing in mind as a chance of, we could see a small change to the forward guidance, possibly removing the line, expressing a willingness to increase the asset purchase program in terms of size or duration. Um, now, were they to do that, I think financial markets would quickly you know, leap onto the fact that you know, the hawks may be becoming now into the ascendancy, and that would certainly be bullish as far as the euro is concerned. Um, if we don't see any kind of changes whatsoever in terms of the forward guidance or just the general tone of Mario Draghi, so if he still sounds very cautious about soft inflation numbers and so on, then if anything, we'll probably see the euro come off a little bit. One thing I think you've also got to be wary about in terms of his press statement uh, could be whether or not he touches on the euro. Uh, we mentioned last week that euro started this month extremely bullishly. It's continuing to climb pretty well as we talk. And it's already above the kind of levels we saw in the third quarter of last year when Draghi intimated it was becoming there's something of an issue as far as policy is concerned. They're not doing anything in terms of introducing any kind of exchange rate target or anything explicit like that. But it is possible he could drop some hints from the ECB. He's not happy with current levels. And were that a to be the case, then the market's probably a bit long now, and that could hit the euro. Jeremy? In terms of number yeah. Uh, this is Mark. I have a question about the uh, stock markets in uh, Europe. Are they affecting – how are they doing, and uh, 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 is it affecting uh, ECB policy? Are they talking about it? And they're talking about, I think they're aware of it in the same sense that a lot of central banks are concerned that perhaps we're getting a little bit of a disconnect now between stock markets, you know, what they're doing, and what the underlying underlying fundamentals are saying. However, I think as far as the ECB is concerned at this stage, you know, that they're principal concerns the fact that inflation is still too low. So if it's the case that stronger stock markets equals higher wealth equals stronger consumer spending, and that in turn pushes up prices, then I think at this stage anyway, they'd be quite happy with it. But more generally, I think you know the background to European stocks is currently quite positive. Obviously, we still have very low interest rates, and that's not going to change anytime soon. We've still got a central bank pumping you know billions of uh, new euros into the asset markets every month. Uh, and although the euro you know, has by all means appreciated. Historically speaking, it's still not that strong. So I think, you know, fundamentally, you know, the big picture for European stock markets is for now at least, you know, quite positive, unless, of course, we were to see, you know, your side suddenly start to tank, in which case that's a whole different ball game. Mm. Um, I think just quickly, though, say, round off this for Eurozone, helping to support say the, the, you know, the bullish stock market environment. Numbers this week, the main ones will be the flash January PMIs we'll get on Wednesday. They're again expected to show a very strong start by the Eurozone real economy um, to the new year. In terms of UK, I'm going to mention the pound because in terms of where we stand now on sterling dollar, we're just below the 140 mark as I speak. So we're just, what, about four cents or so below the levels we had going all the way back to the Brexit referendum vote. 
in about a year and a half or so ago now. So it's been a, a pretty decent rally by the pound. Partly it's a function of dollar weakness by all means, but it still comes back down to, as we talked about last week, this increasing sense, or perhaps it's just hope that we will get some kind of a soft Brexit package. But that is still anybody's guess. And so just be aware that we get something coming out that suggests soft Brexit is a non-starter. Then we could see this pound coming off extremely sharply. In terms of UK numbers this week, I just quickly mention we get the key numbers in terms of the labour market statistics on Wednesday. There's a big debate over here about when the Bank of England is going to tighten. A bit as the same as your side, were we to see wages pick up sharply in the Wednesday data, that's going to bring forward expectations about the Bank of England hiking rates, and that would be another plus factor for the pound. What about uh, your first estimate of fourth quarter GDP? Yep, good one. I should mention that certainly in terms of the numbers. Um, Friday then we'll get the first look at fourth quarter GDP and that's really expected to show notwithstanding all these concerns about Brexit that UK growth is flatlining um, on a quarter on quarter basis around about 0.3 to 0.4%. So what about 1.2 to 1.6% on an annualised quarter on quarter basis. And that's the same sort of rate we'll have seen over the previous four quarters. So if that is the case, it's still suggests that you know, the UK economy is doing okay. It's certainly not booming by any means, but it's probably doing rather better than many people expected, given all the uncertainty continuing um, over the Brexit issue. When are we going to get the, uh, the first look at European um, Eurozone Q4 GDP? Uh, that's not for a week or two yet. Um, they tend to be quite slow on their numbers. Um, they're better now because they have this so-called preliminary flash report, but we've still got to think about a week or so to wait for that one. Is that, uh, are they doing any stronger than the UK? Yeah, so Eurozone at the moment is doing exceptionally well by their standards. I mean, a lot of it's to do with the manufacturing, and especially I mean, German manufacturing is currently through the roof at the moment, which is why everyone's waiting to see the German wages turn up. But we're also seeing strong manufacturing PMIs pretty well across the board. And for a number of countries, the service sectors, notably France, have picked up significantly well too. So although I said the UK is doing okay, the Eurozone is easily outperforming it at the moment, which again makes it interesting how the pound has been able to track the euro on its move up against the dollar you know for, Ger for germany that's very interesting because they're having an appreciating currency and a rising uh, export uh, of uh, manufactured goods that's a that's a great combination it is. I mean, Germany at the moment really is enjoying an extremely good run. Um, yeah, Jeremy, you should explain that you can look at that two ways, both domestic, which encompasses trade among the EU countries and uh, foreign trade outside the EU, which gives a different, little different picture. Yeah, by all means. I think you know, one thing to say in favour of the Eurozone, if we look at the performance of you know, where the GDP growth has been generated over the last what couple of years or so, really, um, it's been fairly neutral. So, well, I should say it's been fairly neutral. The, the net trade impact, so the impact of net overseas demand has been pretty well zero. So the pickup we've seen coming through, especially over the last what four quarters, six quarters, has really been generated by um, domestic spending in the Eurozone which, of course, has, you know, has got to be good news. Um, just to answer your earlier question, in terms of the, uh, the flash estimate for Eurozone GDP growth, that's out on the 30th, so next week, week to date. Mark, speaking of GDP, GDP we also, right. have, ha also have, U.S. also has 
the first look at fourth quarter GDP on Friday right. as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, the U.S. is a thorough uh, report, a complete report. Um, not a flash report, and the uh, accommodate consensus right now is uh, 2.9%, very tantalizing. We That would follow uh, GDP rates of 32 and 3.1% in the two prior quarters, and this is one of the best runs of the expansion, definitely. What's key here, uh, we're going to have two different keys, uh, uh, important things to look at. On Thursday, we're going to get, these numbers can move around. What's what We're going to get uh, advanced um, inventory data on Thursday, along with uh, trade data on goods. Um, this will be for December, and these will be inputs into this report. And right now, inventories are looking like they're holding down GDP. So if we get a big number there, our accommodate uh, consensus could um, move higher um, or could move lower. But really, I think what's most important about this is the uh, consumer spending component, which is the bulk of the GDP, and it's not going to be affected at all by um, trade or by uh, inventories. And the consensus here is pretty good. It's a 3.6% annualized rate, um, that, and that's really kind of based on uh, the strength we saw in November and December retail sales. Um, so it looks like the consumer is uh, – the expectations are that, the, that this will be a consumer-driven uh, uh, strength for uh, U.S. GDP, which is uh, very, uh, very positive. And, of course, that reflects the stronger job market. Market and or the, the strong job market and low uh, unemployment. Mark, can I ask you a quick one? Um, sure. IMF came out yesterday, if I remember rightly, with their new world economic forecast. Now they rev- well they revised up. Fair enough. You know, world economic output per se, apart perhaps from the UK. But yeah. for the US, they mm-hmm. added where are we? 0.4 percentage points of their growth forecast for this year, and 0.6 for 2019. That's so they're now. They're talking what two seven for this year and two point five for two thousand nineteen. Do you yeah. think you know, that th- all this tax stuff is going to be worth as much as that? So a four percentage point over this year and next. <laughs> do I think that's interesting? Yeah. Do you uh, think? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you what the Fed thinks, and that and that it contrasts. Uh, we, we had an interesting data last week. We had um, um, uh, the Federal Reserve's manufacturing production report, uh, industrial production report. Manufacturing in that was almost dead flat. It's been basically dead flat all year. And the Beige Book, the Federal Reserve's de- description of, of business conditions, uh, calls the uh, manu- manufacturing sector uh, uh, modest uh, activity modest. Um, and this also goes with what their GDP uh, estimates in, in their uh, last month's uh, quarterly FOMC forecast hardly moved at all. Uh, and and they were toying it w- with the, the tax cuts, were uh, involved a little bit in there, moving it up, but not to the 2.5% range, just still uh, between 2 and 2.5% 2 seems to be where the, the uh, Fed is looking for. They're not really of, uh, looking at a booming economy. They, they won't they won't describe it as booming and so um, even though we have other data we have these regional reports we have private reports uh, showing manufacturing doing very well and uh, we're seeing a little bit of a a lift off, and finally, in um, factory orders and factory shipments, which is a separate series um, uh, uh, produced outside the Federal Reserve by the Commerce Department. So, um, it's interesting. I think uh, there might be a little bit of a uh, of a disconnect. Not a disconnect. I'm not sure. I think it's a, a question of emphasis. I think the Federal Reserve officially is downplaying. 
the strength of the uh, uh, of the economy. And for the U.S. now, for the U.S. markets, it's whether or not we're going to start penciling in four rate hikes. Uh, three have already been penciled in this year by the FOMC. But if we start getting uh, actual, you know, uh, higher st- uh, strength, especially if we start seeing uh, wage inflation, um, we, we could see a fourth one come in. And that'll be the, it's a subtle idea, right? It's, it, it doesn't sound that, you know, one extra gradual increase in interest rates, but that could have a significant impact on the stock market. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I think that that's really what's at play here. And if we get a very strong GDP number, that could uh, kick in immediately. And even if GDP, if, if, in, if inventories end up holding back GDP or net exports end up holding back GDP, if consumers, if the consumer spending component is as strong as 3.6% or even stronger, um, you could even you could have a lower, a, a disappointing GDP uh, uh, print on Friday, but still have um, uh, the effect of uh, uh, expectation of an extra interest rate uh, hike. Mark, we should add, in all due respect, that the GDP data from the first estimate are usually revised significantly. I don't know. Well, significantly, uh, maybe it's, it's revised. I'll, I'll drop. It's, it's, well, you know, they're working harder to get uh, these um, inventory numbers and these trade numbers. Uh, th- those used to be, you know, imputed, uh, and it did uh, have an effect. But you know, they're moving these in advance. So hope, you know, I think hopefully that the, the revision effects will be uh, uh, less um, severe. But in any case, I think we'll get a, a pretty, uh, a, a pretty sound, solid read on at least the consumer sector for sure. Thank you, guys. Until next week, we'll find out how right we were about GDP.